Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Continuing with our Journey to Jesus message series. Um, this is a series really asking the question, why do people come to Christ? You know, all over the world, people are curious. They're searching for answers. They're searching for meaning. And they find their way to Jesus for different reasons and on different paths. And so each one of those paths, each one of those roads, each one of those stories that we have been examining in Scripture about how people found Jesus are still roads that we walk today, whether we're searching for Jesus, searching for answers, or whether we're in a relationship with Christ and we still see and we're reminded of why we still need to come to Christ and what that means for us. Last week, we talked about the shepherd story, which is a famous traditional Christmas story. And it's about a story about good news, one about opportunity, but it's also about listening and about telling, right? We learned last week, we asked the question, are we listening? When God talks to us and he speaks to us, are we listening? Are we expectantly hearing him to speak to us and challenge us and change our lives? But also, are we telling? Are we letting our lives be one that is, that is outwardly focused, one that shares the good news? And the big idea idea of last week's message was this, is that the willingness to consider good news or the willingness to share good news creates opportunity for life-changing experiences. That's what I want. I want life change in my life, but I also want it for people that I know. And we create that opportunity when we are willing to consider and share good news. Well, this week, we're going to talk about a different group of people who came to Christ, and that is the story of the crowd, the crowd. Now, you're like, what does that have to do with Christmas? Who is this crowd? Well, so far, we have examined two traditional Christmas stories, right? We talked about the wise men and the shepherds, and we're going to return to the manger next week during our special Christmas service. But this week, we're going to take a look at a different journey to Jesus this morning that was taken all throughout the New Testament, one that actually took place over and over and over again, and that is the crowd. You know, Jesus was rarely alone. In fact, there were plenty of times where he tried to take some time alone, and people found him. So there's a crowd that's talked about all throughout. And when he would travel from town to town to town, often what would happen is is that he would, people would come from all over, and they would come to hear him teach. They would come to meet him, not just because they were curious, but also one big reason. They would come because they needed help. You know, the story of the crowd that we're going to talk about today, and there are many of them, but we're going to pick one particularly. The story of the crowd is a story of need. It's one of desperation. It's one of searching beyond what we can provide for ourselves. So it's also a story of willingness to go after it. Now, I don't like asking for help myself. I hate it, actually. It's like the last thing I like to do. When I'm not feeling well and someone says go to the doctor, I don't want to go to the doctor. When, I'm, when I have a headache, the question that I know I'm going to get from my wife is, did you take anything for it? And my answer is almost always, no. I don't want to take Tylenol or whatever it might be. When I'm at work and I have a challenge or a problem, I don't like to ask for help. I want to figure it out myself, right? But then there are moments when I realize I can't. And my whole attitude changes. And maybe you're like this. Now all of a sudden, when I'm laid out on bed and I can't get up out of bed, the first thing that I want is I want to go to the doctor. When I realize the level of my need, now my whole attitude changes away from maybe pride or problem solving to what do I need to do to fix this problem? 
right? I don't want to wallow it anymore. I don't want to solve it anymore. I want to find whoever is the expert or the one who has an answer, right? And it changes for me. And what's the difference there in those circumstances? Is it, is it a pride thing? I think it's a desperation thing. I think it's a realization that I got to a place Whatever it might be, whether it's at work or whether it's at home and my finances or whether it be, like I said, and I'm sick and then there's nothing that I can do, but I know the medicine will fix it. At that point, once I have a realization that there is nothing I could do in my own power, my whole attitude changes and I'm willing to go to great lengths in order to find the answers that I need, to find the help that I need. And when that happens, who do I look for? As I mentioned, someone who I know has the ability to help. Well, let's read one of the stories in the scripture today about the crowd of people coming to Jesus for help. And we're going to examine their journey to Jesus and see how it applies to our lives. If you would open your Bibles to Mark chapter 3. This is the gospel of Mark, right? So if you have the New Testament, the Bible is divided in half. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So the second gospel to the third chapter. If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles for you. They are at our Connection Center as well as on the, the, the shelf right in front as soon as you walk out of the chapel. And also the verses will be here on the screen for you. If you have your Bibles or your tablets, please open them up. Mark 3, we're going to begin reading in verses 7 and go all the way through 10 today. This is what it says. Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea. This would be the sea from Sea of Galilee. And a large crowd followed from Galilee, and a large crowd followed from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond the Jordan River, and around Tyre and Sidon. And it tells us what happened and why. The large crowd came to him because they heard about everything that he was doing. This reminded me, as I was reading that this week, of like a viral video right? What was it, what's it like? The Bible is making it clear that people came from all over the place. And it's like those videos that we see on Facebook or, or the memes that show up all the time on social media, right? Someone creates it, shares it, and then talks about it. And then all of a sudden someone else sees it and thinks it's funny or important. And then it shares. And before you know it, it picks up steam. And now a crowd, a group of people have heard about this and are talking about it. You can't go to work without hearing someone mention this particular thing. Or there's a hashtag about it or whatever it might be. This is what was happening in this scenario. Is that they had heard about Jesus. They were in a, a part of Israel called the, the Galilee region. It's like, it's like counties, okay? Galilee was a county, just like Butler. So if you think of Pittsburgh, would be Jerusalem, okay, the major city in the area. North of that area is, is Butler here in Pittsburgh. Galilee is the same thing. It was considered to be a rural area. It was uh, a lot of people up there. They didn't consider them to be educated. They weren't, you know, looked well upon. They were considered kind of like hillbillies. That's sort of the idea, right? Not to say the people from Butler are like that, but that's the idea that was presented in Scripture to us. So all of these people are traveling from city to city to city. In fact, it's not just in Israel, and it's not just Jewish people. They were Jews and they were Gentiles. Gentiles means non-Jewish people, or we'd call them like muggles, like in the, in the Harry Potter world, okay? People who were not Jewish, they were called Gentiles. So the Bible is telling us that people were coming not just from Jerusalem in the south, not just in Galilee, but it actually also says they came from the Jordan area. So Idumea is south of that. 
And even further to the east of it is the country of Jordan that we know. People were coming from there. They were also coming from areas like Lebanon. So Tyre and Sidon, if you look on the map, that's in Lebanon. They weren't coming from just Israel. There are people coming from 100 miles away by foot. They don't have TV. They didn't have radio. They don't have newspaper. They don't have phones. They don't have anything that allows them to hear. The only way that they heard about Jesus and what he was doing was by word of mouth. A hundred miles is a distance when you don't have a car, when you don't have any way of information traveling except by word of mouth. Imagine that. Imagine that. That would be like Grove City. That would be like, I have no idea what's happening in Grove City or in Morgantown or further away. I have no idea what's happening there or anything popular that might be happening. I don't know about a restaurant that's taking place that's really great in that area. You know what I'm saying? So for something to reach my ears or your ears 100 miles away, it has to be a groundswell. It has to be something incredible. And the Bible says that they heard what Jesus was doing. They heard about his miracles. They heard about his healings. They heard about his teachings. And many people needed a miracle. Many people needed a miracle because just because, just just back then, just like they don't have TV or radio or those technologies, they also don't have medicine. They had doctors, but some of them were like witch doctors, shaman type things. There were people who were doing crazy things like puncturing holes in people's heads and all sorts of crazy medical things in order to try to help people. There were people who were diseases, and the only way for individuals who were sick or had visible diseases, the only way for them to be separate so that the rest of the population doesn't get it is they had to separate them in colonies outside of the cities. Okay, And so we see now that a large crowd is gathering around Jesus, coming to him, and many of them are desperate for a miracle. Some of them just wanted a show. Let's be clear. Some of them wanted to see the magic show of David Copperfield, Jesus, okay? Like some of them didn't care. Some of them weren't really going to listen. And Jesus even said that later on. He actually told, him, told people what it means to be a disciple. He said, take up your cross and follow me. And then it says he saw many people turn away from him. So some people were only coming because of the show, but many were desperate. Now, there are many reasons that people come to Jesus. But one of the greatest and most wonderful is because he meets needs. One of the most wonderful aspects, and I talked about this earlier with the idea of God with us. It is never more lived out in Scripture, this Emmanuel, God with us, than in this moment. In this moment where Jesus had a crowd of people surrounding him. One of the greatest and most wonderful things is because he meets needs. What do you need from God today? Think about it. What do you need from God? Is there something in your life that you're desperate about? Do you believe that God cares about that thing that's in your heart or in your life right now? Maybe you've heard of Jesus meeting someone else's needs, and you're wondering if he can do the same thing for you. This is what they were thinking in their mind. I'm sick. I can't can't get to work anymore. I've lost all my money. I'm living as an outcast. I have nothing. No doctors can help me. And I heard about this man who who healed someone. Maybe, maybe just maybe I could... I could get there and he might do it for me. Are you willing to search him out? Are you willing to search him out now to have your needs met? Verse 9 continues. So then Jesus told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him. That's interesting. Why? So that the crowd wouldn't crush him. Since he had healed many people, all who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him. The Bible says that there were so many people, so many people there, that they needed a boat because they would crush him, that they were so hungry for it, right? 
This is a desperation. This is a desperate people who were, who were so, and you know how like crowds sometimes, when, they, when they're needy, when they're desperate for something, it turns into something that it wasn't intended. It wasn't that they wanted to hurt Jesus, but that they needed something so bad that they're crushing, they're pushing past, they might accidentally push Jesus or step on him or, or hurt other people. The desperation of this crowd was immense. And verse 10 says that people with diseases were coming. You know, there's another translation that actually says the word plague, okay? Plague. And the word plague in Greek is a Greek word that says struck a blow. These people believed that God had afflicted them. They believed that God, that whatever God, that's the, the word here is for plague means to strike so the thought process behind them was that their diseases, they believed that the God that they serve or the, maybe the one that they forgot about inflicted upon them a sickness. And now they've heard about this man, this one, 100 miles away. Imagine that, the amount of money it might take for you. I think about that group, the caravan in Mexico, who were coming up from uh, wherever it was. It was uh, Honduras or somewhere, right? Not to talk politically, but I think about the desperation of those people who are willing to leave behind their home, who are willing to leave behind their jobs or their money, maybe family members, on the slim hope that maybe, just maybe, there might be something waiting at the other end. That's what's happening for these people. They believed that they were afflicted by God. So they've turned away from that God to go to a man who they heard might be able to heal them. And the interesting, ironic thing is that they were coming to a God who did not afflict them and yet would remove it. I love that. The gospel is constantly taking our assumptions and flipping them and changing the way that we see God. These people didn't know what they were looking for. Some of them were there for a show. Some of them only wanted Jesus because they could give, get something from him. But when he heals them, their entire life changes, and so many of them become a follower. It's incredible. They were desperately seeking help, and they were pressing to get Jesus. I have experienced a small, small scale of what this is like when I was in India a few years ago. There's a picture, I believe, here on the screen for us of when I was uh, in this trip a few years ago. There were thousands of people, thousands of people who were there to hear the gospel message being preached. And after the service, every night, we would, uh, the leaders, myself as well as other members on the team, would come to the front of the stage here, and we would be ready to pray for people who were sick. Just praying in faith, okay, like we believe that just like in the book of Acts, we would see, right, that, 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 that people would say the name of Jesus, that he resurrected from the dead, this man you thought was dead is alive and will prove it to you because he will heal, right? So we're just praying for people. And I'm telling you, these people were desperate. My back is up against the, against the stage. They were literally pressing, not necessarily the person right in front of me, but like if you've ever been at like a rock concert or you've been, you know, anywhere where there's a huge crowd of people and it's not one person who's pushing you, it might be the 15 people pushing this direction and you all go that way. This is what was happening to Jesus. I'm standing there trying to pray for one person and feeling my back constantly being pushed back against the stage walls. Like it actually hurt because they're pushing so hard. These people were hungry. They were desperate. People who were crying and weeping, not because of me. I wasn't like, oh, look at me. It was because they, they heard the pastor preach a message about a man who could change everything for them. 
And they were desperate for it. This is what was happening to Jesus. They were pressing hard. So Jesus says, get me a boat so that if I have to get it, I can preach from the boat. Like that's the situation that was happening here. But what was Jesus' response? He's looking at people who are mangled in their faces. Many of them had diseases that were like their skin was falling off. This is the kind of thing that was happening. People were, who were filled with demons and all sorts of crazy situations. And Jesus is there. And you can imagine his disciples are like, hey, let's get out of here. This is about to go down and it's These people are going to riot, right? What does Jesus do? He stays. He stays. And I love another passage of Scripture says that he was moved with compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says that Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the crowds. And I love studying and digging into Scripture. I want you to understand what this means. The Greek word there for moved with compassion is entrails, visceral. It literally means a visceral feeling of compassion. Like we say that we ask Jesus into our heart, right? That's the idea, right? Or I love you with all my heart, right? In this day and age, it was like I love you from my bowels. I love you from my entrails. The seat of all of your emotion is the the very inner being of you. And when the Bible says that Jesus saw this disgusting mass of humanity that he was moved with a visceral feeling of compassion. His response was not one of, oh my gosh, what the heck am I gotten myself into? His response is, I will do everything that it takes. I will do everything. I will wait here until the last person is gone. The last one. It's amazing. It's beautiful what Jesus did. He wasn't disgusted. He wasn't frustrated. He wasn't annoyed. And even times, there are multiple occasions where Jesus was just trying to get away for like a retreat with his boys. He was trying to like go up onto a mountain and pray. And every time he would, a mass of people would come. He was not annoyed by it. He was moved with compassion. Moved because of their desperate faith. So they came in throngs and they touched him. They touched Jesus and he met them and he healed them. The very fact that Jesus remained in their presence, let alone touch them, first of all, made him ceremonially unclean and made him a lot of enemies because Jesus was considered to be a rabbi. He was a teacher. He knew the law. And as soon as he touched any person who would have been unclean, anyone with a disease was afflicted by anything who was wearing the wrong kind of clothing, and these people probably tried to get rid of their good clothes when it was sick, and now they got a bunch of patchwork clothing on, right? Jesus, as soon as he touched any one of them, was now made ceremonially unclean and was not allowed to even be inside of a town for a week until he clothed himself, washed himself. Jesus didn't care. He didn't care. And all of the religious officials were looking at him going, look what he did. He just touched that person. Oh, that's starts over. The clock starts over every 10 seconds because he's touching somebody. Every time, Jesus didn't care about any of it. He didn't care because he saw the desperation and he would touch them. Can you imagine the elation from these outcasts? When was the last time anyone had touched them? When was the last time? I saw this picture last week or maybe a couple weeks ago of President Trump. It was interesting. I don't know the full context, but the, the, the meme was really touching to me. It said that President Trump, he had his hand on a face of a, of a veteran man who, who had no hands. I think he, maybe in military and combat, somehow maybe he lost his arms, you know. And, and it was just a still image of the president with his hand on his, on his cheek. And whatever you think about our president, that image speaks incredibly. That man can never touch something again, ever. Could never grab something and, and remember the feeling of what it means to touch something. 
And someone had the compassion to reach out his hand and touch him so that he knows that he's there. You understand what I'm saying? What a beautiful illustration of Jesus. These people who were outcasts, people who were in, out, held out and they're not allowed to be anywhere, they had to ring bells when they would come somewhere yelling the word unclean so that people would run away from them. This is what it was like for them. And Jesus was willingly touching them. Touching them. Imagine. Of course there would be crowds. Of course there would be. If you needed a miracle, how far would you travel to get it? So, what does this mean for us? Because I think that's, you know, this is all well and good, Pastor Jared, but what does this mean for, for me today? Like sitting here, I don't have a disease I don't, I, my, my nose isn't falling off, you know. I'm not held out in a colony somewhere, not being around people, you know, all of that. What does this mean for me? Well, I would tell you this, is that Jesus still meets needs today. He still meets needs today. The Bible says that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. So the way that he, the way that he shows himself, the way, that he, the way that he operates is the same. He is still able to meet needs. Jesus still heals. He still speaks life. He still breaks addictions. He still restores. What need do you have in your life right now? Do you have a physical need? Maybe you do have a physical need. Maybe there's a back problem. Maybe you do have a sickness or a disease that maybe you haven't told anybody about. There could be people in the room today who got news this week or recently about something that you have not told anyone, and you don't even want to verbalize it because of how it scares you. I don't know. But what I'm saying to you is that Jesus can meet that physical need. Maybe you have an emotional need. Maybe you struggle with fear or depression or loneliness or doubt. Or maybe it's a, an identity problem or perhaps it's just a self-esteem. I don't know, whatever your emotional need might be. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe you're looking, you're staring down what appears to be the barrel of a gun and you don't know how to get past this situation. You're in a desperate place. You're on the verge of bankruptcy. You can't pay your bills. Your electricity is about to be shut off. I don't know. Maybe you have a financial need. Maybe you have a spiritual need, one that that you're like, I, I don't know how to connect to God anymore. Or maybe I'm, I'm struggling and I'm trying to figure this out and I've, I just can't. And I see other people having a go at it and it seems to work for them, but I can't figure this out. And I don't know, maybe you have a spiritual need. And perhaps, you know, for you it's a faith question or I don't know how to get past my mind or, or whatever it might be. Or maybe you, you're struggling with, God, I thought you were going to answer my prayer and you didn't. Right? These needs, maybe even relationally, you're thinking all those other areas are good, but man, my marriage is in trouble. Maybe you're thinking about a relationship with your boss or your kids. They're estranged from you. Or you're, maybe you just don't feel like you have friends or you don't have anybody that you can call your own or someone you know you can rely on. I don't know whatever it is, but Jesus still meets needs, and he meets all of them. It's not just the physical touch of a, a disease being healed. I have been healed myself of emotional cracks in my life, of, of relational problems in my life, in financial places. God has healed them. He has restored them, and he can do the same thing. For you today, we have to press into him. I love it that Jesus' response, we see the model of scripture. Jesus' response when these people were desperate for him, they were coming, they were pressing into him. He didn't say back up. He didn't have a public service announcement with a megaphone saying, everyone get your stuff together or I'm leaving. Which is what happens at rock concerts, right? If you start kind of pushing around doing stuff, they actually stop the show and make an announcement and say, if you don't settle down, we're going home. Jesus didn't do that. No, Jesus' response was, come, press into me. I can handle it. I can take it. Oh, we need to press into him. We need to get a little bit desperate or maybe a lot desperate. 
What does that mean for you? What are you willing to do? How are you willing to search for the answers that you need? Determine that you will grab a hold of, the, of Jesus. I'm talking figuratively, of course. Are you willing to say, you know what, I'm going to get up a half an hour early and pray for 30 minutes? Are you willing to say, I'm not going to watch that movie. I'm going to go to a, a worship night tonight. Are you willing to take time out of your lunch to read scripture and dig in and ask God? Are you willing to go to a life group and share with your, with your neighbors or your friends about how your life is hard right now and tell them and let them lift you? Are you willing to sit in that place and say, I will do whatever it takes to get near Jesus. Are you willing to do it? What is your desperation level right now? You know, I've heard of stories of people praying for years before receiving a miracle. That is discouraging to me. You know, the idea of that I feel like I would give up. I feel like I would give, I feel like I've been spoiled. God has answered my prayers so many times in what does not feel like years. And yet I know stories of people who've been sick and sick and sick or their situations have not gotten any better. Things that are well out of their control and they pray and pray, but they, I watch them and I've seen them pray for, for months and for years and they just hold on to faith because they're desperate. And there's nothing else they could do. They keep praying. And then one day something changes. Are we desperate enough? Are we willing to press into Jesus enough to where we're just not going to stop even for years on end, trusting that God is in control, that he is good, that Jesus is good, that what I heard from other people wasn't a lie? How important is it to us? You know, the crowd came to find Jesus because they heard what he could do. So they went to find him. And the scriptures invite us to do the same thing. And in my studies, I came across uh, this one quote that I want to kind of close and finish with today. It's from Matthew Henry. He's a famous biblical scholar. He has a whole commentary series. And this is what he said. The consideration of the great things that Christ has done should engage us to come to him. The consideration, the things that I have heard or that I've even experienced, right, just like the crowd, should engage us to come to him. Come to him. And so our big idea is the same. The thing that ties this whole message together, the consideration of the great things that Christ has done should engage us to come to him. Press into him. Get desperate for him. What is it that's in your life? If you are dissatisfied, and I'm not talking about, you know, like I just want to have a Ferrari, you know, or, or like I'm not talking about frivolous things, although I do believe that our God loves us and wants to give good gifts to his children. That doesn't mean I'm going to get it. But the point here is that if there's something, there's a deficiency, there's a struggle in your life, if you're sick, if you have a need, Jesus, first and foremost, is always always about meeting needs. In fact, almost always he would meet the need physically before he would ever teach something to them. So if you're in a place right now where you're like, I don't even know what I think about God. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't even know if he's, he's good or not. These people didn't know that he was the Messiah. Most of them didn't know that. All they knew was that there was a man who was doing great things. And for you today, maybe you're like, I don't know what I think or what I feel. And I would say to you, leave that at the door and just consider the crowd's example. They pressed into him and they found what they needed. And maybe, just maybe, that's waiting for you today too. You know, many of us do come to Jesus because he meets needs, but I want to tell you that he never stops. It never stops. Jesus welcomes us, and he invites us to continually bring our needs to him. It's not just a, like I said a couple weeks ago, it's not just a single answer. It's a lifelong journey of seeking and finding, and the same thing is true here in our relationship with Christ every day. Every day, this idea of, you know what, God, this is happening in my life, and I don't know what to do about it. 
And some of those situations are crippling, right? Some of them are debilitating emotionally in our minds, and we don't know what to do. In those moments, are we willing to press in? Are we going to get desperate and say, I don't care what anybody else says or does. I'm going to plant this flag on the ground, and I'm not moving until, I, until God answers my prayer, until he gives me an answer. And maybe his answer might be what Paul said, that God said to him when he begged him, please take this thorn out of my side. God said to him, no. My grace is sufficient. I'm not saying you're going to get everything you want, but he will. He promises to meet you. He promises to speak to you. And when we do all of this, we will not only receive what we need, but we will experience his heart and his love for us. A deep compassion, moved with compassion. And that's one of the reasons that we stay. We come to Jesus for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons we stay is because of the compassion that Christ has for us. It's beautiful. Just stand with me as we pray together and close our service. Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for, for who you are. I thank you that you reached the crowd, that you were never annoyed, that you were never uh, you know, frustrated or, or angry. There was no amount, in your, no, no, uh, no amount in your face or the way that you spoke that let the people even think that you might, that you might not want to see them. I thank you that you write things, that you put things in Scripture that said that you were moved with compassion. And so to me, I think about what's happening in my life right now and how I feel like a child sometimes who's just crying. You know, like my situation is, 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 feels, feels poor. It's frustrating or I'm confused or I don't know what to do. I think about those moments and I have this image because of what your word says that you're sitting there with compassion. You look at me and you say, son, I love you. It's okay. And for so many of us in the room today, we need to have that moment. Each of us, let's have that moment. What is it? Jesus, right now, guys, for each one of you, just pinpoint whatever that is in your heart, in your life right now, that need. Whatever it is, just just pinpoint it. Put a spotlight on it and just come to him. Imagine yourself walking towards him in the crowd, pressing, even maybe even in a way, imagine yourself like actually trying to pull yourself through the crowd. Like that's the posture we need is I'm coming and I'm not going to let obstacles get in the way. And then say, Jesus, would you meet my need? Answer my prayer. And I trust in faith. I believe in faith that you know and you have compassion and you love me. And I believe that now he has heard you. I believe that he has heard you. He's heard all of us this morning. And let's just sit right now in quiet silence for a moment and let the Spirit of God maybe just whisper to us. Just let him speak to you, his love for you, his compassion over you. Maybe he might give a word. Maybe just a word pops in your mind of of what he might be encouraging you or, or something, a feeling you might get about it. Let's just sit for a moment and just be expectant that he would tell us that he's heard, that he's heard us. Let's listen for just a moment. God, we thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the examples of the way that people come to you, the way that we can still come to you. There is no just one way. You come because we're searching. We can come to you because we heard and we were told and we're looking. We come because we have needs. So many ways. Thank you for it. I just ask that you would, as we leave this place today, that you would just transform our hearts, God. Encourage us. Give us strength, Lord. Let us continue to come to you. Let us see your invitation. 
But you're calling us with arms wide open. Keep coming, child. Keep coming. I will never turn you away. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing one last song together this morning and just make these lyrics your own. Let's seal what God has spoken in our hearts and we'll close and go to our Dream Team Expo in just a moment. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.